All right, guys, when's, when can we get together to play the next session of our campaign? Oh, I really can't do Tuesday nights anymore. I can't do yeah, Monday. Wednesdays are bad for me. What about what about Wednesdays? No, no, I, can't do no Wednesdays. I, I have my other game on Wednesdays. Okay, Saturdays? Weekends oh, are no go. I know. Every I other? Okay, anyone who can be here Monday, we're playing a one shot. This week on Modified Rolls. <laughs> so one shot. One shots. First, I think we should define a one shot for our yeah. listeners who might not know what that is. So I'll do that since I'm the one who said I would. Uh, one shot would be a single one uh the one night stand of RPGs. Um, <laughs> you're just <laughs> you're going to get together. You're going to play this game, and you're never going to talk about it again. It's accurate too, because no, ideally you are going to talk or about it. We'll talk again. about it constantly, but you'll never play it again. That's such <laughs> right. a good description. That was perfect, Christian. <laughs> but you'll always text about it. It's a one night hookup with an RPG. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's a few kinds of one shots. I think. Um, that are worth talking about as far as, you know, just discussing how to run and prep for a one-shot. If you're going to be running it for your group and taking a break from a campaign, or if you just want to do it to see if your friends are interested in role-playing, there's a couple types of one-shots that we can discuss as far as, you know, what might be the right one for you. And it kind of comes down to what game you're going to be playing, but they all fall into one of these three-ish categories. And I have published written one-shots, something that somebody else put out as a um, finished product that you can just look at, read, follow, and, you know, plug in your players and go. There are writing your own one-shots. You have an idea for what you think would be an interesting a short adventure, you really want to run this one type of creature, maybe from the monster manual if you're playing D&D or Pathfinder or something like that, and you've come up with a cool location for your friends to explore. And then lastly, rules-light games that are like one page or a few pages like our three raccoons in a trench coat, where you don't need a whole lot to get going and you're probably going to be winging it and you just have a few bullet points. Um, all three of those require a different amount of prep. So I think maybe we should start with what I think would be the easiest one for most people to just plug and play, which would be published, written one shots. I, so I run a lot uh, of one shots uh, for work. Uh, and so this is pretty much the, the experience I have. I do all uh, pre-written one shots. Um, I run pretty much exclusively fifth edition one shots because that is what the library patrons want. Uh, and so I, I, the people. I give the people what they want. It's literally my job. Uh, I'm switching it up this month and going Starfinder. And I can't wait to be like, nobody's interested. Randy checking in here after coming back to edit this. And spoiler alert, no one was interested in something that wasn't 5e. Hey, it means I get a month break. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I'm tired. I love one shots, but I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, but I get some of mine from uh, official D&D source material, but I also get most of mine from DMs Guild. Uh, big shout outs to the writers there. Absolutely love them. Um, 
but the way that I personally prep for one shots is I have plenty of time to get ready for it. So I will read it over once, ignore it for a bit, and then come back to it almost with a fresh set of eyes and see, it's like, all right, this is what I remembered from the first time around. So this is what's going to stick in my head best. This might be a detail I'll forget um, or kind of push aside. And it's another important thing to know your time constraints. Yes. Um, if you only have so many hours to run a game, look for sections that you could remove if you needed to, and don't feel bad about cutting it out. Nope. Yeah, that's good advice. No matter which of the three types we're talking about, really know how much time you're going to have and don't feel like you need to do everything. Yep. The ending is more important than uh, some filler in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have a, piece, a, a bit of material you could cut from the beginning, from the middle and from the end. So as you're watching the time, you're like, wow, the beginning took way longer than I thought it would. We're going to cut stuff from the middle. Or if you blow through the beginning, then you know, like, oh, we have plenty of time to explore this in the middle. And then that takes way too long. So you cut something yeah. from the end. <laughs> yeah, the end, the ending is the most important part for the one shot because you want everyone to leave happy. Uh, so some yeah. of the, some published materials, especially if it was written for like a convention, and sometimes you'll find them on DMs Guild or you'll find them for other games where they're written for conventions where it's like, you have this slot to run this game and they'll actually give you like in parentheses next to each section, like, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes in this section, maybe an hour in that section. Uh, and, you know, make note of that and keep an eye on the clock. I like if I'm running a one shot when I've run them in the library, sit somewhere where I can see the clock. So that way I can say, okay, we're, you know, we're lagging in this part. People are getting kind of, caught up in it, push it along or skip this stuff. Like Sarah talked about, take, take parts out and skip them. Uh, so you get to the ending because typically, you know, the ending is the grand finale. You don't want to lose that part. So. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say that, cause like the real goal of a one shot is to kind of try and tell a really short, complete story in a limited mm -hmm. amount of time um, with your players kind of doing a whole bunch of things. So I like that idea of kind of keeping an idea of like the middle, the beginning and the end and keeping the ending in mind and catching up to that. The other thing I was going to add, along with time, just make sure you consider the type of players you have playing the one-shot too, right? Like it's going to be geared very different if you've got brand new people who are brand new to the system and it's going to take a lot of explaining or breaking down of their character. Or you've got seasoned people who um, are ready to kind of just jump in with either pre-generated characters or characters made of their own. In a one-shot, you also – um. You don't have to worry so much about balance. Like it's a one-time session. It's about having fun. So feel free to do creative editing to anything at any point if people are having fun with something or if something is frustrating them or giving them trouble, be like, yeah, it dies. <laughs> you hit it, it dies. <laughs> That's totally fine with yeah. one shot. Just keep it moving. Make sure everybody's engaged. Look for the aspect of the game or session that they're most interested in. And let them go wild. Let them try their craziest ideas, uh, things that you would Neither be like, uh, absolutely not. You like can't have that in a long campaign. It's going to break the campaign. Like in a one shot, who cares? It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say one of my, my favorite things I've done based right on what Amber was saying of let it go crazy in a one shot is um, I ran a high powered D&D one shot and told my players, hey, you want magical items? Fucking go for it. Uh, and so they were like, here's a bunch of random magic items we're interested in. And one of them was a little leaf that when you like throw it on the ground, it grows like a giant eight foot tall oak tree wherever it lands. And I was like, this okay. is stupid and ridiculous. I want it and I love it. And so like, I was like, I don't care. It's a one shot, do it. And like they used it to kill a monster and it was excellent. Like let that chaos happen. Yeah. 
Give them all immutable rods. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if there's a time to experiment and just let silly stuff fly, it's in a one shot. Yep. Uh, what I was going to say, uh, I wanted to piggyback on something Jess was saying about the rules is that um, for most systems, if you Google it, you can find some very succinct explanations of the rules on like one sheet or a couple of pages. And if you don't know who you're playing with or if you're playing with younger younger or more inexperienced players, it might be a good idea to print them out. Uh, just have a couple on the table so people can just kind of pick them up and look at them as you're playing. So that way you're not constantly going through the rule book for stuff. That's a great okay. idea. Yeah. Provide reference materials. It's just a it's good advice. And I think the first thing Sarah said, I just really want to come back to it and make sure this is very clear. And this goes for anything you're going to run that is written by someone else and put out there. Read it first, please. <laughs> Read the whole thing. I know you see that and people go, yeah, duh, of course. But we all also know that everyone's guilty of going, I'll read the first half and then be like, oh, that's fine. And then we'll just kind of cruise through it. And then you're going to hit a roadblock and go, I had no idea what was coming. And uh, there's a spellcaster and I don't know what they can. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Read the whole thing. Have an idea of how you think each spot should play out. So at least you're, you know, a little prepared. Short story time. Amber's thinking of my needle creature. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Did read the adventure, but she forgot very, very important, somehow missed or forgot very important detail in this battle. Um, We're doing Agents of Edgewatch in one of our home games right now. And at one point there's this golem. It's like this injector alchemy golem and all of its all of its injections are helpful. So she's like fighting us with it and injecting us and she's like, you have dark vision now, you have cat's grace. So it's just buffing the shit out of us while we're fighting it. And she was like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like, why would this monster be here? And then I, I was like, Jess, are you sure it's not supposed to be injecting the other enemies? And she was like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So little little things like that can make a big difference. You're like, yes, hit me. We're like, we have haste now. <laughs> you know so- what? <laughs> that's the kind of chaos you embrace in a one shot, though. I know that's a campaign you're talking about, but that's kind of hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine like an automaton on the fritz that's just like, I can't tell friend from foe, boost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Boosting everyone with reckless abandon. <laughs> um, so I actually have a question for you guys regarding pre-written one-shots because this is something I haven't really experienced before um have you guys ever done and this kind of ties into the story one-shots as part of an ongoing campaign I have and how how has that worked with like PCs with like backstory and all of that together yes so um I ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist and I was running it and we were taking our time with it, you know, taking a lot of because in an adventure like that, where the players end up with a tavern that they can manage and stuff like that, the players are going to take their time and, you know, manage a tavern. But um, in between a couple of like the big story parts, I just decided, you know, there's a lot of official D&D lore and stuff out there about the city of Waterdeep. And I downloaded a bundle or something like that, you know, like I'm prone to do. (laughs) Yeah. And and I found something and I was like, oh, this is a really interesting encounter. And it's in Waterdeep and it's pretty close to the level that they're at. I just think this would be cool. And what I did was I actually took one of the characters from the campaign, from the adventure. And instead I was like, I don't like the way that they come into play. 
in the actual written adventure. I'm going to use this one shot instead and just swap out like the big bad and just do that. Um, and so I made it kind of interesting where I tied it in and I kind of got to preview that enemy in a way that was interesting. And then they got away. And then when they saw them again, it was like, oh, that's okay. We know who that is. We know they're bad. And yet we have to play nice because we're in the middle of a big city and they're important. You know what I mean? So mm, yeah, that's really cool. If you find stuff like that, you can totally do it. Um, and let me just say, if you find a one shot that you really like the premise of, it doesn't have to be, you can reskin it to be whatever you want, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, it just so happened that this was a one shot. I think it's called Blue Alley or something like that in Waterdeep. Um, and, you know, it could have been anywhere. We could have been playing a campaign in Mirabar or Neverwinter or whatever. And I just go, I want to use Blue Alley. I'm just going to make it in this other city. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You can make that happen. Or change it to like Green Alley in case someone knows what Blue Alley is. Because <laughs> yeah. it's been around a while. You know, Blue yeah. Alley has been around a long time. I was going to say Troy's not here to talk about his Esther and one shots. So think, you guys should. Yeah, I think oh, Amber's yeah. going to. Yeah. I have. I, I've. Okay, I'll talk about that too. Or unless you want to talk about it. Because I was actually going to talk about something else. But I can talk about both if you want. No, you can talk about both. I have something else. Okay. So we're in a long, um, going on two years now, Shadows of Esther and campaign that Troy GMs. And uh, sometimes when a player can't make it, because we only have four players in that game, every player is very important to the story. So when a player can't make it, we do something called, um, we do like a, a fireside um, one-shot session where it's like our characters, something's going on, like we're on the road, we're camping around the fire, and then one of us tells a story about that time when. And it's some sort of flashback to a previous time in our characters' histories, because most of our characters grew up together. Um, we're some sort of shenanigans we're gotten up to, and we play through it, and then it it like um, informs the story kind of in a retroactive way. So like we'll establish that Sid like has been mauled by a bear, like in his calf before during this one time here. And now like Canon, like Sid has all these scars on his calf. <laughs> they've, they've just been hidden by his pants this whole time sort of thing. Um, and they're, they're really fun and they're, they're an interesting way to explore our characters in a, in more in depth because we're going back into childhood. Sometimes we'll do a session where like our characters are like 10 <laughs> or like teenagers um and just like dicking around getting in trouble our parents were there we get to role play with our parents a little bit and then that makes us think more about like what our family life was like growing up with we have these scenes for like frames of reference um and it's it's been really cool it's definitely enhanced the campaign overall and our characters and our characters relationships with each other that's a great time to insert a one shot a lot of poison ivy <laughs> yeah that's a great time to insert a one shot though is when you have a missing player in a long-term campaign that's very very good my um my other experience with one shots as part of established campaigns are I've I've either been a part of or run um a few times sort of like dream sequences that's a uh, for like a holiday special or something sometimes the DM just wants a break um and a player will be like hey I'll run like a holiday special one shot and it'll be like your character is having a vivid dream and everything's different and weird but you're rolling with it um we just did one for uh in my Curse of Stride game to give our GM a break our uh, our player Deb ran a one shot where. We woke up and we were in an orphanage and we were all like our 10 and 11 year old selves in this orphanage together trying to figure out what the hell is going on because, you know, Barovia is weird enough as it is in trapping you. Um, and we ended up, of course, having to go back to the murder house, which we had left 10 levels ago. And we were like, fuck, no, no. <laughs> and we were all at lower level versions of ourselves again. And it was awesome. <laughs> Is this uh, Deb that joined us previously? Yes, Deb from Excellent. Nice. Very cool. It was, up, it was really good. We miss you, Deb. 
You're excellent. Love forever. <laughs> she will. She will replace me. <laughs> I only want her to actually. <laughs> it was just nice not to be the oldest for once. That's oh, really no. my sole motivation. Wow. Yeah, you're not supposed to say that about a lady. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Christian's an ass. This is established. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jess. You're welcome. You're welcome. My so <laughs> my ex- our- <laughs> God. Oh, I'm just saying this is established DMs after Dark Cannon, please. I am the local ass. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Clip that shit. Perfect. Perfect. So my example was actually going to be the, the really the same as Amber's second one. And it was just that um, a lot of the times my players, um, they really enjoy their characters. And just to take a break from the campaign, seeing their same characters in a very different situation, right? So I, I do the same thing where I run kind of like a holiday either break or some sort of special event. And so I'll pull one shots into the game for that. Yeah. Because those also, like individual one shots, being part of a major campaign actually kind of ties into the next thing we want to talk about, which is writing one shots. Um, if you have these these characters in this campaign that are ongoing, you know, it's you could pull a pre-made one shot like Rainy said with um, Blue Alley, but also like what you guys have talked about of like creating your own to fit into the campaign. I guess I had never thought about that as a one shot. So I think it's actually really interesting and I mm. like thinking about it that way. It's cool. It- that's an excellent opportunity if you have a player missing, if you just need a break, if you want to do something else, you can run a one-shot in your ongoing campaign, but use another system. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's another cool idea to do, too. I mean, it doesn't always have to be the same system, but again, if another player at the table says, I'd love to take a chance running for the first time, and they want to use that system, do it. But if somebody else says, I'd really love to play, you know, as my character but explore this kind of totally different feel, you know, like we're playing D and D, but I want to do Barry Mary as like a just goofy little side quest. Mm-hmm. Cool. Make your characters Barry Mary contestants, you know, go do some cooking show shenanigans for a lich, you know? Um, and if it's going to give the DM a break, or even if it's the DM who's pitching this, it could just be a fun way to introduce and be like, Hey, and uh, the winner of this contest gets a magical item. And it's like a silly thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I actually have direct experience in having a quasi different system for the night for a one shot. Um, in my last D&D campaign, uh, all of us loved the idea of a heist. Uh, and so we did a heist episode, but our DM, uh, instead of us using dice and our character sheets and whatever, bought us these cards. And we all got five cards and I don't remember all of them, but they just had phrases on them that were along the lines of plot twist, but that's how it really happened when suddenly X, Y, Z and things like that. Um, And so it was framed like we were being interrogated and being like lapping over each other, telling the story. That's great. That's uh, cool. But instead of our roles or anything, we just use those cards all night in order to tell the heist. Um, and then at the end, we all gained... Uh, uh, the, the way he did it was interesting. He was like, describe a magic item, and then I'll tell you what it does in a couple weeks. Oh, so we just described what an really item cool. that we wanted looked like and uh-huh. ran with it. Um, 
but that was a very fun way to still play our characters, but play them in a different system in a different light. Very collaboratively. So, interesting yeah. idea since we're talking about um, um, like playing a one shot within an established campaign world or ongoing storyline. You know, we've talked a lot about playing your characters in a different light, but something that could be interesting and it just, it just, I've never done it. I, I've heard of it done, but I just it popped in my head as we're sitting here is playing other characters like NPCs or NPCs, whatever. Yes, right. I love so that. You, you have a favorite NPC. You 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 know they're great. Everybody loves them. Let's tell a story from their background and and something that they did or something that you know. Oh, they went I off. Where did that. they go? Let's tell that story. You get to play as them, right? I, I've never done that. I've I've heard about it. I think it's just a great idea. But, yeah. <laughs> In Jess's Edgewatch game, we have two NPCs. We call them Johnson and Johnson. It's Johnson Parker and Johnson Johnson Steve. They're the best <laughs> low-level agents of Edgewatch. And we give them like the shittiest jobs because they're the only people we trust to be competent. Everybody else like loses people from prison all the time. <laughs> we're like, don't worry, we're going to put Johnson and Johnson on it. And we just like, I want to play a session where we just like have a, a day in their life with all of our fuckery going on around them <laughs> and like dealing with it. Yeah, even better, <laughs> even better if your characters show up as NPCs, right? Yeah, that is a great idea. <laughs> then you get to see your character almost from like the outside, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Two things. Um, one, there is a Pathfinder actual play podcast out there called Find the Path. They're running the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path and they actually do do little um, like six, seven, eight episode runs of npcs and basically they follow a fan favorite npc and they fill out a cast with that person and say like this is what they've been up to and they allow it to influence the bigger picture or they use it to frame places that the pcs have gone through and made big changes so that way you can explore a place that you've been and the pcs have made a change made a difference and you can see it from other people's eyes that's cool i thought christian what you were going to say was play as you know, minions of the bad guys. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Isn't it, we have a game always, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it always yeah. great, though, to actually give the players a peek behind the curtain of like, because the best villains are the ones who think that they're the heroes, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, giving them a glimpse into the motivations of the villains might make those tense moments even better if yeah. the players have played bad guys even better. I don't think. I don't even know if I could pull this off, but like imagine just giving people pre-generated characters and going, we're going to play a one shot and then slowly letting them catch on to the fact that, wait a minute, this isn't the world that our campaign's in. Wait a second. These are the, what are we doing? And then they go, oh my God, we're playing bad guys that we're going to like come up against. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Now, especially if they were younger before your PCs got in touch with them. And now it's like, oh, now we understand why you became the way you are. Right. Mm. So let's bring this back to... Mm. What goes into writing a one-shot? Say you want to write a one-shot, whether it's within your campaign or just a thing that you have a small idea for, a seed of an adventure, and you say, okay, I'm going to write this one-shot. What do I have to do? A focused problem, limited scope. That's, that's I yeah, I, I think that was my main point is focused problem, limited scope, and contained area huge uh because if you're you know you don't want people to be able to kind of go anywhere on the map uh if you're running a one shot uh you want them to stick into you know i've run run some very good call of cthulhu ones where it's you're on a stormy night and you're on a roadside gas station and you're not getting anywhere because you can't leave because it's stormy so you're stuck there you know you're on an island and there's a lighthouse you're not leaving that island you're in a canyon and it's snowy you're not getting out of that canyon in the middle of a blizzard so you're there the classic, you're stuck 
Yeah. You wake up in a jail cell. Right. You're, you're stuck. You got to figure that out. Uh, so limited scope, you know. Uh, or you have like a pre-built motive, like your characters, if you're playing pre-gens or something like th- this is your tavern. Like mm-hmm. you're going to protect it from whatever's going to happen. Like that's the premise. Yeah, that's I'd say, <laughs> I'd say another good way to make sure that one shots that you're writing get off to a pretty good start is to start in media res. Yep. Um, you know, like it's one thing to be like, you've accept- like, you know, uh, you start in a tavern and there's a quest board, you know, a player's not going to follow that lead. Instead, you say, you've recently left the tavern and you've accepted this quest to X, Y, and Z. You're just outside of the, the dungeon. What are you going to do? Or you know I mean? goblins then, are fucking chasing you. Yeah. <laughs> like roll yeah. initiative, right? Like start there's right there great... and then worry about the rest of it afterwards. You really um, shouldn't have robbed that jewelry store in hindsight. You think right. as you run with the jewels tucked under your arm from the hound. <laughs> I actually have two resources that I think are really, really great for just thinking about writing or prepping one shots. One of them is John Agard's Dragon Slaying on a Timetable, running tight four-hour Dungeon World one-shots with zero preparation. That will kind of tie into our next one, which is like winging relatively rules-light games, but that really does take into account, um, he says, you know, have a few ideas going, but then once the players have made their characters, so like if you have pre-gens or what have you, you ask them leading questions. Like, Rogue. Who did you take that thing from in your pocket? What is it? And why are they after you? You know, Paladin, yeah. why is this place that you're here? Why is this important to your holy quest? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that way you let the players feel like their choices are choice, actually important. No. Too much. Choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, so two other things. Um, one, consider any and all party types. If you're not providing pre-generated characters, don't make a dungeon that they can't get out of without a cleric. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, don't make a trap that will kill somebody and assume that there's going to be a rogue. That's one big thing when writing an adventure. Yeah. Give opportunities for every class to have a moment to shine if you can, but don't make them critical. Don't make the entire thing hinge on something that might not be there. Mm. I would and say kind of along those lines, give things multiple um, methods for, for solving problems. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Never hinge anything on one The way to open this door is this. Be like, I'm going to see what they come up with with the things here. I can think of a few ways, but like if they come up with something that you didn't um, foresee and it makes sense, let it work. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes Um, especially double for plot elements, especially if you're running something like a mystery. Never let one role be the deciding factor. Give them multiple ways to find clues to get to the next place. That goes for dungeons. That goes for everything else. But don't don't let things hinge on like one role. That's awful. Yeah. Especially in one shots, like anything that any checks, like knowledge checks or investigation or perception checks, that like just let them see things. Honestly, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To some degree, you have four hours. Just let them if they're looking yeah. in the bookcase, like let them find the thing there. Right. <laughs> and just, and if you if you want to have a role, give degrees of success. You're definitely going to find this. But if you roll well, you might get this extra special thing that'll make it easier later on. Yeah, you right. find the secret, you know, yeah. you're you're going to find the information that'll give you a hint about what you're going to face. But if you roll really well, you might find the secret door that goes right behind the Correct. biggest trouble. Yeah. You know, um, an- another resource and a great tool for writing one shots to keep that concise kind of, um, you know, I'm going to say it railroady kind of thing for a one shot is uh, look up five room dungeon design. Mm-hmm. It's a very clever way to, um, and the cool thing is once you get used to it and figure out what they're, what they mean by a five room dungeon, it doesn't have to be five rooms in a dungeon. It's just five areas that encompass types of obstacles that will make a varied and yet, um, cohesive kind of, uh, adventure. So in the five room dungeon, it's usually an entrance with a guardian first, 
Then there is a puzzle slash role-playing encounter. Then there is a trick, trap, or setback. Then there is the climax, big boss, or conflict. Fourth, I love this. Like, they don't put that at the end because that feels bad. Like, uh, imagine ending a one-shot with like, and you beat him. Okay, see you guys next week. Um, No, that's four because five is the reward, the revelation, or the twist. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a huge thing when you're writing a one-shot. Ideally, imagine in a perfect world, you run a one-shot for your friends and they love it and they go, oh my God, I want to do more of this. Oh, that's just the point I was going to make. Yeah. You better have a hook at the end of your one shot just in case you ever do come back to play it again. If it's the one night stand of RPGs, this is getting the number. (laughs) That's 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 the note I had here too, was that, you know, wrap things up, but leave enough threads because people might want to play more. They might want to turn it into a campaign. Definitely wrap it up on one night stands. Oh, no. (laughs) If you're going to do it, do it safely. I was yeah. I was just gonna say um, one of the things that I usually look for both in writing and kind of searching for a one shot is I try to make sure that whenever one shot that I pick, it's got either like a gimmick or an interesting twist. Right. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Like a strong concept, a central concept. Yeah, because like if you have someone new, that's totally fine. They can probably have a lot of fun playing a one shot. But if you've got kind of like players who have played for a while and been playing games for a while, you need something kind of new and kind of refreshing when you're doing a one-shot, right? So usually I like something that's either really gimmicky, right? Like three raccoons and a tench coat, total gimmicky. Um, or something with a, a really interesting twist to the story. Yeah. Putting fair. The players don't know you're playing Groundhog Day until the day starts over again. <laughs> that that was honestly one of my favorite one-shots. I think I've talked about it on another one of our episodes, but one of my longtime players who'd never run Putting anything. Putting fair is great. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was, he wrote, I think he found it. It might've been a written thing, but basically he had a dungeon and he had the layout and he like drew it on the map and we saw it all right there. No details on the map. And then we started, we walked into the first room. There was a trap. It killed one person. We all started right outside the first room again. Hmm. Okay. So then we go through, we avoid the first trap. We go into the next one. Oh, there's an ambush. One of us died. Oh, we all started back at the beginning again. So it was like learning. It was basically like a Dark Souls. That's great with a layout. I love that too. Yeah. And then it turned into an obstacle course, basically, of us going, we know this, this, and this. And it was so much fun. And it was such a like breath of fresh air in D&D where it was just like, like, it was clearly not balanced. Like if we got hit like twice, we were dead. So it was like, play smart. (laughs) go you know you have to have so a flawless fun. run <laughs> to yeah. get through the exactly episode. it was yeah and um it was very fun because it was super gimmicky yeah. you know it had that gimmick of like you don't get out till you get it right i just wanted to repeat that note too that like doing one shots is also a great opportunity for new dms right for new dms who want to either try a game or try running or try a system um we've talked we touched on it a little bit throughout this but that's one of the other reasons that i really love one shots it's that it's great practice too Mm. there's less commitment so it's just one night you might never have to see them again it's one night oh yeah i don't think that was the the point <laughs> i'm just kidding. just kidding. tying it all together well actually that play is one a... shot with your friends and then never see them again <laughs> <laughs> you know you probably did a bad job if that's the case nor you did a really good job <laughs> <laughs> um that does that does segue actually into our last type of one shot, which is rules light games. One page RPGs are very short RPGs. Those are the perfect ones for people to start for the first time. 
And I would argue they're a better place for somebody to start DMing with than a game like Dungeons and Dragons, where you have to read a huge book to understand the rules. And then you're worrying about, do I know all the rules? No, go into a game with very few rules and literally no prep. It will make you a much better DM because you're going to be more focused on the improv. You're going to be more focused on the story and you're going to care less about what the rules say because you're just going to have to move forward and make a judgment and say, that's the better thing for the story anyway. Move on. And I think that that is very good practice for if you do shift to more rules heavy campaigns, because it gives you a chance to hone some of the most important skills, I would say, in GMing, which is improv and caring about the story and the players mm-hmm. yeah those are some of the biggest things that i think gm should do and focus on and so giving playing rules like rpgs really gives you a chance to dive into that yeah it's also like these one page um one shots that are super rules light are also really good for um new players too it's a lot less intimidating to, to start role playing if you've never role played before which can be awkward and weird for a lot of people if you're not super nerds all your life so um, it's much easier to role play a raccoon in a trench coat because it's so absurd and it's so out there and it's got an instant, it's, it's a gimmick, like just said. It's like you instantly know what this is and it's so wacky and, and weird. It's just easy. It's very not you um, as opposed to play, role playing a serious character, which can be feel very weird and awkward if you're not used to it. So like be a raccoon first and that's <laughs> fine. It gets, you, it gets you into the, into the, just the, the shallow end of the pool. Play. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's the motto of this entire stream and show. Just be, be a, a raccoon. <laughs> and then work your way up, up to like a broody half-elf or something. <laughs> yeah. Don't that's start right. as an edgelord. Become one. Yeah, exactly. Earn your <laughs> earn your way. Yeah. Earn it. The bottom Become of the trash jaded. with your little paws and then <laughs> it's almost like a perfect bell curve of like, you know, become the edgelord, become the power gamer, and then go back and then down into back raccoon again. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It comes full circle. Like start wacky nonsense, and then get to maximum edgelord, and then you come back around and you're in the trash pile again <laughs> with a pocket full of Werther's and then the other pocket full of Cialis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You haven't watched their game yet. Now is the time to yeah. check it out. Raccoon's in a trench coat. If you've listened, listen to this episode and then go and watch that. It's amazing. <laughs> go, go watch the con save crew. And actually, delightful. yeah, the, and actually, um, Christian, you're going to be running a one page oh, one shot yep. um, this week. So it'll come. This podcast will come out after you've run that. But uh, just just so people get a little peek behind the screen. Christian, how much prep have you done for that? Uh, I have three things prepared. Uh, so just just to let everyone know, we're going to be running grandma, one sentence details. <laughs> grandma Squad, uh, which is a game about grandma's doing stuff uh so we have i have prepared so far and then this is this is subject to people like changing their minds so we'll do a mini session zero right here uh i have uh, a character that bitch carol i don't know i don't know if she's uh, an enemy or what but i know she's a bitch and people don't like her uh we could change that if we want because i see jess already making yeah. a face uh we i also be, it could be a quest to help carol get revenge right it could be or carol could just be like the president of the homeowners association because the second yeah. thing i have is that you are in a retirement home in florida because where else that's where old people are in america as far as okay, i'm concerned maybe. canonically uh and the last thing i have is marv who is like the the old player in in the in the retirement home? Who wears oh, a leisure suit and he tries he tries to get those grannies back to his crib to listen to some Barry Manilow. That's oh. all I have. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. We'll see. 
<laughs> so see, I just want to highlight for the listeners, if you're thinking about running a one shot and you want to do something like that, that's the perfect thing. Have a couple bullet notes, funny characters, because trust me, players will latch on to NPCs that they find interesting or funny or Colorful, fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, they'll make up their own kind of goal based on these fun or funny npcs or locations have a few bullet points and then christian i actually like this is a good point too the original grandma club is written that you are grandmas in a village it sounds very english yeah it's very english yeah it sounds like there, uh you know there's an association of grandmas and there's an annual best village competition and these grandmas want to make sure that their village is going to win that contest you go no 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 we're americans and we want to play rowdier grandmas so we're going to be down in florida at a retirement village so that's actually this is going to be boomers gone wild it's yeah it's oh goodness it's not a um it's not a huge shift from the original premise no. you know we can still do the same thing like what's the what no you know what best party retirement home in florida could be we're trying or, to honestly win. like i've like we'll figure out what the plot is when we start we'll we'll, we'll create a conflict i don't care there's a thing you can roll home meets the jersey shore <laughs> yeah <laughs> Golden Girls Meet Jersey Shores, I you said? Yeah, yeah. That's the tagline for our one shop. Oh, man. Absolutely chaos. But I, I think that, you know, with us having been playing together for a while, too, there's a level of, of you know, comfortability with each other where I know that I can just be like, hey, we're going to play Grandma Squad and I'll just throw it on the table and everyone will come up with stupid ideas and I can kind of just roll with it. If you're playing with people you don't know, uh, it might be a little different. I was going to say, yeah. You might have to be a little more prepared to do that. Hmm. I would say, though, for a game that's low in rules, rules light like that, um, you can still just have a few bullet points. Yeah, absolutely. I might want like six or seven bullet points, Dan. You know, just some things to prompt. Yeah, or even like two under three different premises, right? Yeah. So like, if people don't like that bitch, Carol and Marv, you have a second one that's um, grandmas at a golf tournament, you know, right. or you have a second or a third one that's um, it's the big bingo tournament. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's your three pitches and one of those three, your players will be like, that one sounds like the most fun. And you yep. go, okay, I got two bullet points under that one, you know? And I mean, that actually is, we we've done that here in a way, actually. Um, a lot of the games that we have played on DMs After Dark when we've been proposing them to each other, we're like, hey, here's a couple uh, uh, scenarios that could go for this. Pick one. Like, I remember that was like how we started with Esther. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, here's two different ideas I'd like to run. Go for it. Pick one. Yep. Yep. So having a couple different options is always good. Um, but also don't go crazy. Um if you know you're running a rules heavier system, give your options ahead of time, like Esterin. Uh, If you are running a rules light system, you could do it day of, day before, in Facebook Messenger at midnight when all your goblin friends are on. It doesn't matter. Since it's a one shot, just feel free to experiment. Have fun. Experiment. Mm-hmm. Try wacky things. Try wacky character concepts. Try try anything. Try anything you want. But be safe. <laughs> Unless anyone has anything to add, I think that's like the perfect point to end on. It is perfect. Because yeah, just take, us, take take us away, Sarah. It's just it's it's one shots. Just party. Thank you guys so much 
for listening to us party tonight on this episode of Modified Roles. Uh, if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please consider giving us a rating and a review on whichever podcast app you prefer. It really does help us a lot. It means a lot to us. Um, you can catch up with us on all of our social medias at DMs After Dark. Catch our streams every other Friday at twitch.tv slash DMs After Dark. If you want to reach out to us one-on-one, dmsafterdark at gmail.com. Compliments, complaints, questions, we'll take anything. We love people. Uh, I just forgot where the rest of my outro went. Holy shit. I think, I think you did it. I think I did my outro. I don't know, one way or another. Uh, Till next time, folks. Experiment with a one-night stand of an RPG. Party on. Party on. Party on. No, I just want, like, a sick 80s synth drum beat for us. That's all I want, like... I would say my. I was gonna say. I'm your elder. Respect me. I'm I'm your elder. Respect me. Oh no! (laughs) Go, Sarah. You first. Yeah, go ahead. I just just, already did.